No, as we um, step into this this new season, uh, really, 2020 is upon us, but it's our first Wednesday night back, and we were trying to talk through, it's okay to clap for that too, I heard it, I heard it. Uh, we were talking through kind of where, where we wanted to start, and I know if you've been tracking with us, you know that this last weekend we just stepped back into the book of Exodus, and some of you were like, aren't we going to be in Exodus today? And it's a great book. We're going to be in it for a lot longer, and we'll be there next weekend and the week after and Wednesday after. Uh, but what we thought was to take a moment and just kind of paint a picture of, of why we gather. Why do we do this? Why do we show up? Um, and I, I, was, I was thinking through this as, as my notes fell. Um, I was thinking through this. Uh, and and one of the, the quotes that I heard that helped me with this, it said this, if you want to build a ship, you don't summon the people to buy the wood, prepare tools, distribute jobs, and organize work. Rather, teach the people the yearning for the wide, boundless ocean. And, and as I was thinking through that, I, I think we get a glimpse in Scripture of that wide, boundless ocean, of what it could look like when we fully devote ourselves in the way of Jesus and what a gathering of people could look like. Now, we start seeing that formed in Exodus, and we see God pulling his people and drawing his people out. But we see after Jesus comes and he gets these followers around him, he, he dies and he rises again, and he commissions them to go to the farthest ends of the world. And about 120 followers sit huddled in a room wondering what now that Jesus is gone, and they wait And suddenly the Holy Spirit shows up and nothing has been the same ever since. And so when we look back at some of the traits and kind of what made the engine go of the early church, uh, there's a passage of scripture that we wanted to return to this evening. And not because we're trying to say that the early church was perfect. Uh, When you read through scripture, you see pretty quickly they had lots of problems, but we get these glimpses of the boundless ocean of what God had designed for his community to be. And one of those glimpses comes in Acts chapter 2, verses 42, all the way down through 47. And we're really going to zero in on on verse 42 tonight. Um, But we thought, uh, we're going to start there. And so let's just read this passage uh, together. We'll read it aloud, and, and we'll jump in. Starting in verse 42, Acts 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Father, as we step into this passage and we look at this, would, would we allow it to speak to us here and now? And God, would you just continue to shape us, to form us as your people? that we would step into your ways, Uh, God, that you would give us your mind and your heart, uh, Lord, and that we would see the the world around us as as you see it. And so, Lord, as we take this time um, to look at this passage, would it come alive to us again in new ways? Would you uh, surprise us uh, even in these moments? And we we just come open-handed before you now. Uh, and, And, Lord, we just say, would you speak? 
Would you guide? Would you lead? This is your church. We are your people. And where you go is where we want to go and we want to follow. So we give this night, this time to you. Would it all be done to your glory? We love you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 By the way, I just realized if I don't know you, my name is Sam. I'm the teaching pastor down at South Campus. Many of you I've met, but many of you I have not. So my name is Sam, and my better half is right over there. And that's Cara. You definitely want to meet her. Yeah. Um, Anyway, nice to be with you guys tonight. Um, As Andrew and I were studying this passage together, one of the first things that struck us was the fact that right there in verse 42, Luke, the author, says they were devoted. They devoted themselves to these things. And so we're going to unpack these four elements tonight and talk a little bit about their implications. But I think the first thing we want to do is recognize this idea of being devoted to something is very suggestive. And the idea is that they had other rhythms and other patterns of life. And this, this, these practices that they began to cultivate were not easy for them. Um, I don't know about you, but when I think about the first century church, I kind of hold them in high esteem because of the things that we see that they were a part of. But we need to recognize that it wasn't easy for them to take time out of their rhythms to cultivate these patterns. And so for us, as we think about the things that occupy our time, we need to recognize that as we think about being the church like this, it's going to require some discipline. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to be devoted to these practices. It's going to be hard in some ways. Uh, Many of us at the start of this year, we got gym memberships. We're going to eat healthy this year. And so we're devoted to this idea because we recognize it's going to be hard. And so as, as we dive in and we look at these practices, it's important for us to recognize for the, for the early Christians in the first century, this was difficult. Yeah. And it's going to be difficult for us yeah. as well. So I, I, we want to keep that in mind yeah. as we, we get into these practices. Yeah. No, that perseverance that's required in each of these things is so important for us not to just take for granted or to see as easy, but there's a, a devotion that we're pouring ourselves into it. And, and that first thing that we see uh, is they devoted themselves to... The apostles' teaching. Now, it's, it's helpful for us to remember that at this time, as, as the early movement of God was growing, as people were proclaiming the good news, that they were gathering in homes at this time, that they would be gathering about maybe 30 to 50 people at a time and coming around, and they would be hearing from the apostles. If they had scripture, they would be going through that too, but sharing with one another in, in much smaller settings than this. And I think it's important for us to recognize that, that we have an incredible gift that we can come in this space and we can gather as a church and we can come on Sundays and we can gather as a church in this place. But when you're gathering in homes, at a home fellowship, you're no less the church in that moment. You're coming around teaching and you're coming around with fellowship and there's moments that are happening there that are so profound and powerful that really match how the, the early movement of God just spread like wildfire. And I, and I love thinking of this. They were called to go to the ends of the earth. When you think of Jerusalem, we really are the ends of the earth. When you think of California compared to them, coming this way, we, we really are. And I know there's a lot you could read into that too, that we are the ends of the earth in California. Uh, but that's not what I was saying. That's not what I was saying. I didn't open the door. No, I'm going to shut it. Um, but they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And, and sometimes we read that and we just kind of assume what, what would that have been or we, we think we know what that was. And really what they would have been doing is the apostles, those who walked with Jesus, were simply transmitting and passing on 
what they had learned from Jesus, what they had seen in him, his teachings. They were taking and they were passing those on as a way in which we should go even now. And they were connecting that back to the Hebrew scriptures, our Old Testament saying, this is where Jesus fulfilled all of these prophecies. This is the way that God had said, there's an ancient path. There's a way in which you should go. And Jesus is that way. And so then they would come around, they would be learning from the apostles, but devoting themselves really to the truth of Jesus' words and, and to Scripture. Much like when we come and we gather in these times together, we commit to looking at Scripture and allowing that to speak to us and allowing that to conform us and to shape who we are as a people. Not reading our ideas into Scripture, but allowing it to read us and change who we are. That's one of the central things that we do as, as a people here at, at this church. I think it's also important to recognize that when disciples, followers of Jesus get together, that they are just that. They're disciples. They're mathetes. They're learners. And that all of us in this room are learners of the way of Jesus. And we never get to the point where we have it totally figured out. We are all constantly learning and should be devoted, as you pointed out, to learning and to allowing Scripture to shape who we are and what God is saying to us through His Word and when we gather in these moments. Now, we live in a very unique time and space where we have a lot of information available to us. And I am I, so grateful for that in many ways because of the benefit of that. You can go out and you can listen to many, many wonderful Bible expositors and teachers, and I, I love listening to other teachers, and I love learning from other teachers, and, and you have access to teachers that are much better than I am, and, and honestly, they're almost as good as Sam, right? And, and, and so they, we have I'll this. give you that 20 bucks yeah, after I know, this. I know, I got you, I got you. But we have this incredible access, and, and I think we need to lean into that. There's something there, but there's also something unique that God has, has created, and when we gather in this space... And we come together with one another. There's an interaction that's happening at this time and place where we're able to speak as a community together. And so whether it's Sam teaching, me teaching, Ryan teaching, uh, Pastor Ed teaching, you go down the list, Pastor Jason, Lucas, we are coming not so that you can hear our good thoughts. We are coming with the intent that we want you to hear the truth of what is in here. And we want you to hear the truth of who Jesus is because there's no greater truth. And so when we come and we sit under each other's teaching and learn from one another, we are devoting ourselves to the teaching that has come before that magnifies and glorifies Jesus. And that's so central to what we do. And my prayer for us is that we would never uh, stop chasing that that we would never grow content with our knowledge, but we would continue to yearn to know more of who Jesus is, to understand more of who he is, and allow that to shape our actions. And so we see in this beautiful way that the, the, the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And then we see uh, that they devoted themselves to the, the fellowship. The fellowship. Before we touch on fellowship, I, I love this. There's an old Hebrew proverb that says that the word is like a diamond. And you turn it, and it shows new light. And we have experienced that even as we've looked at Acts 2. I mean, Andrew and I have preached on this multiple times, and as we sat down to study it together, there's, just, there's new light, and there's, there's a freshness to it. And we can study the same passage over and over, and, and such is the depth of the word that we really want to commit to this the same way that the early church did. We're going to talk about fellowship now. Is there a more churchy word in our vocabulary than the word Fellowship. I grew up in the church. It's okay for us to laugh at that. That's all right. Uh, I grew up in the church. 
and we had a fellowship hall. And, and all of our events had the word fellowship in it. You know, it was like a way of saying, like, this is a church thing if you put fellowship there. And even as a kid, I remember trying to manipulate my parents by saying, like, hey, can I go to such and such's house? We're going to have some fellowship. It's like you knew there was something churchy about that. And so while that is hilarious, part of the problem with that is that it kind of loses its actual meaning. When we say fellowship, what do we actually mean? What what do we mean when we say that? It's different than getting together with non-Christian friends and watching football and talking about life. That's necessary and it's wonderful. But that is distinctly different, especially when the Niners are in it. That is distinctly different than what they're talking about here. Luke, the author, uses the word koinonia. And it's a Greek word many of you are probably familiar with. We see it all over the New Testament. This word means togetherness, unity, to bond. And so we see early on they prioritize time to be together. And one of the reasons for that, if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, we see that humanity was created in the image of God. And what, are the, what that means is that we are inherently relational. God, who exists as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they have a triune relationship with one another. And so if we bear God's image, then by nature we are designed to be in relationship with one another. That's why we gather like this. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys, but my wife and I, when we leave and we get in our car after Sunday mornings or after Wednesday nights, we have this sort of like giddiness about us. We're smiley and we're happy. And and the reason for that is that we're living in God's design to be together, to sharpen Mm -hmm. one another, to build relationships with each other, to edify each other, to celebrate the gospel that that God loved us so much that when we were dead in our sin, he sought us out and he gave his life for us. No matter how many times we've heard that, that is profound. And when we meet together and we remind each other of that truth, something uniquely special happens because we're becoming more and more like Christ who is inherently relational. I think it's interesting that in the New Testament alone, the phrase one another is used a hundred times. A hundred times the authors want to talk about what does it mean to be together and to be with one another. This is a central theme. And when we think about what it means to be the church, what does it mean to follow Jesus, we need to carve out time to be together, to build relationships with each other. I think it's really interesting. Jesus, one of my my favorite passages in the Gospels uh, is John chapter 17. And what's recorded in John chapter 17 is referred to as the high priestly prayer. Jesus, right on the precipice of walking to the cross, is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying, and he's crying, and he's sweating, and he's, he's praying to the Father about what he is about to endure, which is, which is just a powerful thing. But the thing that he had on his mind was us. He was thinking about us. And this is what he says. If you want to turn with me or if you just want to listen, that's fine too. In John chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus, right, about, uh, right before he, he is passed over to the Romans to be taken to be crucified, he's praying and he says this. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, 
that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus had us on his mind, and, and what he wanted for us was to be unified in him. Do you catch what he says here? Just as the Father and the Son exist in this Trinitarian relationship, where they uh, edify one another, where they have this central purpose, he prays the same thing for us. And so when we gather together, when we have fellowship with one another, we are making good on what Jesus says here. We are aligning our wills together. We are asking God to, uh, to align our hearts with his. We're, we're unifying together under the banner of Jesus Christ. That's what we were designed for. So when we think about this idea of fellowship and we throw that word around, this is what we're talking about. Intentionally coming together, preaching the gospel to one another and with one another. And as we do that, it glorifies God and it unifies us together in him. It's a beautiful and profound thing that the early church set aside as this is a practice we really need to lean into. When even going back to that idea of this all starts with we are to be devoted to the apostles teaching and and to to fellowship, right? That devotion that we are to make the effort that we are to fight against every urge that we have Mm -hmm. to not be here. And, And if we're honest, there's a million reasons why you shouldn't be here right now, right? You always have something that is consuming your mind or you're tired or it's just been a long week. And I know I, I have shown up to church multiple times where I'm like, oh, I just have, I have nothing. And then kind of to your point, I'm leaving like, I've got everything. Because it's just the, the ability to come around one another, to encourage one another, to speak life over each other. Uh, but to be reminded of, of what, what Jesus has done, that there's something unique that happens here when we gather together, whether it be in a physical church or whether it be when we're out with our friends and our family and we're coming around and unifying around the truth of who Jesus is. This fellowship is so, so important, um, but it takes devotion um, because some of you, you don't want to be here next to the person you're next to. Um, and I get that because I, I can see all of Neither you. Neither do I, actually. No, I'm just kidding. No, but it, it is. It's a devotion. And, it, and we're to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship. And then it says to the, the breaking of bread, uh, the breaking of bread. And, and Luke, who's the author of Acts, he wrote Luke in Acts, and Acts, and you can feel his style throughout both of those books, uh, very meticulous in certain things that he throws in. And Luke really has this emphasis on meals and, and what they mean. And in and, and the, the first century in Jesus' day and age, who you ate with really did matter. And that's why Jesus drove people crazy, because he ate with people that would make the Pharisees blush. Like, why are you sitting with those sinners? What's wrong with you? But Jesus was, was calling something out in those people, and he was reaching out. He didn't come for those who were not not sick. He came for the sick. He, he came to, to reach out and to seek out the sinner. And so we see something beautiful in that. And so we see this this kind of food language, this breaking of bread. And we immediately think of what we just did, where we just had a meal together. And that's a beautiful image. But he's also really speaking of it more in a technical term here around the breaking of communion, uh, of coming together. And, and when we gather together, that we remind ourselves of what Jesus has done for us, that we come and we take of the bread as, as Jesus demonstrated for us. And he said, this is my body broken for you. We did this just this last Sunday together as a church, if you were with us. 
And when we gather on Wednesday nights, uh, you may have noticed when you walked in that the table is set again. The communion table of the, the bread and the juice is there so that we can take time to remember as often as we gather that we can step into this truth of what Jesus has done for us. There's this beautiful reminder so that whenever we gather, uh, we, we take this moment to say, you died for me. Your body broken for me. Your blood shed for me. And again, our rhythm as a church is once a month we do that as a, a whole church, but then weekly we do that uh, here on our Wednesday nights. And so in a moment, uh, when, and when we're in our time of uh, extended worship, that table will be open. And I'd encourage you uh, to go back and, and not to rush through it, not just to kind of uh, take things down, but to grab hold of it and to really reflect and to, to bring before the Lord whatever you may need to bring before the Lord. Seek his forgiveness. And as you do so, uh, remember that his body was broken for you, that his blood shed for you was enough. We talked around that this last Sunday, that he has atoned for us, that his sacrifice covers all things, and in him we have forgiveness. And so one of the rhythms that we are to constantly build into our, our gatherings is breaking of bread, this remembrance, so that we don't forget because we need that devotion because we're quick to forget. In the same way, many have already gotten gym memberships and so excited for this new year and all that's coming. There's just as many who have got the membership, but they haven't even shown up to the gym yet because that's hard work to actually go and do it, right? It's easy to get the gym membership, but there's a devotion that comes with this, this rhythm that we put in place. And so uh, we, we take that seriously. And so that's why we offer that each Wednesday night. And then again, once a month as a church that we come before uh, the communion table remembering what Jesus has done on our behalf. Last thing that Luke, the author, talks about is he talks about prayer. But do you notice that he's, in the ESV, it's actually translated the prayer. And the reason for that is he's speaking about there was a Jewish tradition that at morning and midday and evening, there were three times of prayer where whatever they were doing, they would stop. Many times they would go to temple and they would pray. And so one of the rhythms that Luke is talking about here is these three times a day, they would stop and they would pray. And I don't know about what it is for you guys, but if, if you stop in the middle of a busy day and you just go, God, I just need to recalibrate with what you're doing in my life today. I need to recenter on you. That's, that's what he's talking about. And so here as we're looking at the early church and some of the rhythms and patterns that they were establishing, we see prayer as a huge priority. The need to just pause on several occasions throughout the day and just recenter and ask God, what are, you, what are you doing in and through me? We often get caught up in the busyness and, and, and the stress and the things that we carry on our shoulders. And so here we see the life of a Christian is one where we establish patterns and habits where we pause. Mm -hmm. And we step back mm -hmm. and we just breathe. God, what are you doing in my life? The other thing that we see happening here is that we see these patterns develop. As you read the rest of Acts, Acts is one of those books that as you read chapter by chapter, like your heart rate gets going and you're like, yeah, they nailed it. And you see God's power come through and you see the Holy Spirit show up. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And one of the things that we see is that prayer became such a vital part of their lives. I'm going to give you just a few examples of when the early followers of Jesus would pause and they would pray for something specific and then the Holy Spirit would move powerfully and intentionally for the kingdom. In chapter 4, one of the really cool things that happens is they pause and they pray for boldness. And what happens is that the walls literally crumble. 
in chapter 6, they pray for wisdom because they, the church is growing by this point. And so the disciples who were focused on teaching, they didn't have enough time to meet some of the practical needs. And so they pause and they pray for wisdom and discernment. And that's where we get deacons. That's where we see deacons come into the picture. Mm-hmm. So they pray for power and the walls come down. They pray for discernment and deacons are born. In chapter 12, we see Peter who's caught in prison and the followers of Jesus, not far removed from him, just start praying and asking God to intervene. And what happens? Peter is literally busted out of prison. He's, he comes to and an angel leads him out basically to the middle of the street. And it's so crazy and powerful that he's just like, what is happening here? But the followers of Jesus paused and they prayed for God to intervene in a powerful way. And he did. And then lastly, in chapter 13, we've been talking about this idea. Acts 1.8 says that the gospel will start in Jerusalem and then move to Judea and then to the ends of the earth. Well, they've moved to the first two parts by chapter 13. But before it goes to the end of the earth, they pause and they pray that God would show them wisdom and direction. And guess what happens? Paul and Barnabas end up going on their first missionary journey and they take the gospel literally to the rest of the known world in a series of, of three journeys. And so we have these pauses throughout the day, morning, midday, and evening, to, to, to establish these rhythms. But then we have, as the need arises, pray for God to intervene. And guess what? He does. And so as we think about what does it mean to be a Jesus follower, it means we have a life devoted to prayer. Devoted to prayer where we're, we're pausing and we're reflecting on what God's doing. When needs arise, we pray for that particular need and then we just wait and watch God act. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It means to have a lifestyle of prayer, just like he had. Think about how often in the Gospels it's recorded that Jesus would slip away and he would pray to the Father and ask that his will would be aligned with his. That's what it means to follow him, to follow those same mm-hmm. kinds of patterns. Mm-hmm. What I, what I love is when we look at this passage and we see that first verse, right? That's all we've looked at, that first verse. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and they devoted themselves to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. These rhythms that were built in were, were there almost as guardrails to help us stay focused on the way in which we are to go and following after Jesus, to, to kind of get all the gunk out of us that fights against it, that wants to go the opposite direction, that wants to isolate ourselves from people, that wants to build a, an empire unto ourselves. And these rhythms in place are there to help us keep focused on the one who brings life and to follow in his footsteps and his pathway. And what I, I appreciate is that uh, the the practices of being devoted to the apostles' teaching, the practices of being devoted to fellowship, the practice of breaking of bread and remembering where our source of life comes from, and the practice of prayer, that continual rhythm there, it led to awe that came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed together held all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We see that this rhythm created this ability for God just to move in and through this community. But it wasn't to the community's glory. It was to the Lord's glory alone. 
And so when we gather in these times together, our intent is that we are practicing these very rhythms and we are creating these very moments where we come before the word and that we study scripture together so we are conforming our ways to its way towards life, that we come in fellowship with one another because it helps us to grow in our love not only for God but for each other as we we find that we don't always have patience with everyone and yet sometimes those people that we lack patience for we learn some of the most incredible lessons through and we find ourselves surprised at the deep fellowship and love that we have for that person because God works in a, a mysterious way and our love for one another becomes a sign to all people of his goodness and as we break the bread and we take of communion again we're reminded of his work in and through us and like you, we were just saying, prayer is this rhythm that we have. And so each of these things uh, carries such significance with it. And we, we've got to already experience uh, most of these this evening. It's amazing to me how much we practice those things when we gather in this space. Um, but what we wanted to conclude with and what we wanted to to really do more than anything was we know this is not totally brand new, but it, it's a worthwhile reminder of what are what are these rhythms that we need to have in our life, uh, but also the incredible privilege we have to sit with one another. And so we, we thought of no better way to end as we were talking through this, even as we were studying this in fellowship together, is we wanted to end in prayer together, uh, that we would just take some time here and now. The worship team's gonna come out. We're gonna still sing some songs together. The communion table will still be open. But before we, we enter into to worshiping with our, our voices, we thought, let's just take some time to get in groups. Um, and, and if you don't wanna get in a group, we're not gonna force you to get in a group, although fellowship seems to be important. Uh, no, kidding. I think we covered that. We covered that. We covered that. But we want to get in groups right now. And, and really what we would encourage you to do as, as we step into this year together is just to come with a very open posture. I, I find sometimes what's helpful for me is actually to take an open posture, just to hold my hands out, just as a recognition that I have nothing and he has everything. And take some time to pray for, for your life personally, but then also for us as a community that we would continue to keep our face fixed towards Jesus, to make much of him and point others to him. And, and so we just, we're going to come now and, and encourage you wherever you're at, um, find some people that you can, you can link up with, and we're just going to leave some space, and then Grayson will step in and, and we'll continue to sing. But uh, let me pray for us um, as we step into this time of prayer. Father, you are good, um, and we come and we acknowledge that truth. Um, and Lord, the privilege we have of uh, gathering together with one another, uh, it's a unique privilege that we have. And so, Lord, as I uh, look around this room, I'm, I'm grateful. Um, I'm grateful for each person that you've brought here. I'm grateful, Father, for those who are watching this even now online. Um, God, we get to be a part of your work in, in such an incredible way. But Lord, we come before you and we recognize that, uh, that without you, we, we can do nothing. And Lord, we just sang a song that spoke to that truth that you, you are enough. And so Lord, would you keep our face fixed upon you? And when we, 
we feel as though we, we want no part of this, that we want to pull back, that we want to isolate, that we uh, are overcome by our emotions and our, our, our feelings of unworthiness. Lord, would you uh, remind us that we have people surrounding us right now, um, that we don't have to walk through this alone. And So God, I pray that even now as we lift our prayers up to you with open hands, that you would you would speak, that you would clear our hearts and our minds, Father. Lord, that we would just acknowledge you, give glory to you, and have the courage to follow wherever you lead. We love you and we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.